0: Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast for people who are looking to learn a little bit more about slowing down in a fast-paced world. Welcome, I'm Brooke McCallery, and I have had my first cup of coffee in about four days, so I'm feeling very chipper.
1: I'm Ben McAllery and I haven't. Whoa,
0: yes I have. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> yeah. have. I think I need another one. I think you do.
1: Welcome to the beginning of June welcome to winter for those in the southern hemisphere and summer in the north
0: very good very good Ben you know how seasons work. So I made a comment on Instagram yesterday that said someone forgot to tell the weather that winter was like two days away mm. and I got a flurry of oh, somewhat frustrated yeah. comments from people saying, well, we got the memo in Adelaide and Melbourne's feeling wintery blah 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 blah. And as it turns out, this morning is like three degrees, so...
1: It was the coldest morning. I can remember for quite some time. (laughs) So this is a hostful episode, and I'm really looking forward to getting into it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any messages for anyone? My message, just really quickly, is a big thank you to all those that completed the Slow Home Listener Survey. That has been... We've been inundated with responses and... It's been fantastic, so thank you very much. We've closed that off now, yeah. But um, yeah, thank you so much for everyone. It was for uh, their great insights. Yeah,
0: it was it was incredibly helpful, and very shortly, very soon, I think we'll be able to start talking about what that's going to help us with, yeah, and what help you with more specifically. But it was it was wonderful, so thank you. But apart from that, no other messages. We've right. got some really cool shows that are coming onto the network in a couple of a uh, couple of weeks, and I'll talk a bit more about them. Next week, maybe the week after, but yeah, enjoy the uh, the show that you're about to hear. <laughs> so you may remember that. A few months back, we did a hostful that wasn't quite like it wasn't a Q&A hostful. It was our zombie apocalypse slash slow living hostful, which we had a lot of fun uh, putting together. And we thought that it was kind of time to do something similar, not zombies, but sort of in a similarly lighthearted vein. So that's what we're doing today. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I've recently
1: read an article that I got through Twitter, I think about how people when people die they take with them five i don't know secrets to the grave on average five secrets
0: that no one else knows uh, that no one
1: else knows now i'm really interested to find out how they actually know that <laughs> that's a good point actually. i would love to I hear BS
0: on yeah, that story. <laughs> i would love
1: to hear the conversations that they have with ghosts i think that would be a fantastic <laughs> podcast
0: Is that what we're doing today? Yeah.
1: And in light of that, and then, you know, the fantastic movie that is 10 Things I Hate About You, we've combined those couple of elements.
0: (laughs) 10 Things You Might Not Know About Us, aka 10 Things You May Soon Hate About Us.
1: Exactly. So 10 insights into us Mm -hmm. that you might not know.
0: I'll give you a bonus insight. Sometimes, you may not know this, sometimes we have interviewees cancel at the last minute and leave a massive gaping hole in our schedule. Sometimes that leads us to doing things like this. Sometimes people might not enjoy it, but that's okay because not everyone enjoys everything anyway. Exactly. On to the 10 things. First thing, Benjamin. It is a very kind of in thing to identify oneself at the moment Mm. as can't believe I just said very in thing yeah that's embarrassing anyway we're all
1: we're finding out some big insights into your personality at the moment
0: massive dork it's a very in thing to identify yourself as either an introvert or an extrovert you find this problematic tell me why I don't know what I am and
1: I haven't known for a long long time it's bizarre sometimes I act out as an introvert and no, that's the wrong way. See how confused I am. Sometimes I act out as an extrovert and sometimes I perceive myself as an introvert. It's so weird. And it gets to the point where like people say, well, I'm an extrovert and I love doing this, this and this. And you're the same, aren't you, Ben? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I am. Yep. And then on the flip side, it'd be like, well, Ben, you, you, you're you an introvert. And I went, yep, yep, totally. Totally. You're an ambivert. I just don't, I can't identify with one or the other. And it sort of flips all the time. Mm. Sometimes I need to be the loudest and, and most vocal. I, yes, I concur with that. But sometimes I need my time and would happily play golf alone mm. and, you know, mm. be really reflective in my own time. That, like I need that to sort of, I don't know, heal almost
0: yeah recharge recharge uh yeah God, look honestly i hate labels anyway so mm. while i am quite steadfastly introverted i don't go around saying i'm an introvert and mm. that means this and i'm an introvert and that means that mm. I, I don't know if it helps necessarily in a, in a huge amount of ways uh just do you sometimes you need people and you feel recharged yeah. being around people and sometimes you feel recharged being by yourself it's
1: just a bizarre like i just don't
0: i don't think you're alone in that i've
1: struggled with it i'd like to hear from other omniverts
0: omniverts or ambiverts omni omni
1: meaning one ambiverts i think is the right terminology congratulations (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah i'd like to hear if anyone else has this same affliction it's a deep secret that I've been keeping for a long time that I'm glad that I'm sharing with everyone.
0: If you're better sharing it. Yep. Much lighter. Absolutely. Great.
1: I just, yeah, don't label me. We I are guess, decluttering our is, secrets here. Is the key. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't put me in your no box.
1: Exactly. No one puts baby in the corner. Also Doesn't feeding. work. <laughs> so on to Brooke's first 10 things she hates about her, me. Brooke's first one is, it's an interesting one because it's probably the reason why we're doing this, really, Yeah. when you think about yep. it. So Brooke is, I don't know, worried is the wrong word. You constantly think about how people perceive you and your personality yes. just through this podcast. Yes. And you think that, you know, you come across as all earnest and having all this great insights, but really, you're sort of the opposite to that in real life.
0: Yes. I am.
1: Tell us about that.
0: So I, I do... Worry is probably too strong a word, yeah, but I do think about it. I do consider mm. it uh, that people often, if I meet people at events and stuff, they, they assume that I'm a very earnest person and mm. like I'll be the person to sit down and have a big, deep, and, deep meaningful. and meaningful. And I'm not opposed to that, but my tendency is to keep things quite light and funny. You know what? Out of anything that I ever wanted, I wanted people to think I was funny when i was a kid and growing up i always wanted people to laugh at my jokes and stuff like that and now i'm having i think that's probably part of the reason why i even think about this as a topic but i i I don't know i feel that people have this perception of me as being this serious earnest person Mm. which there is absolutely a part of me that is Mm. but the other part of me is quite big and it's like just a massive dork who laughs at stupid things i think that does come across though does it yeah i really do okay yeah that's good yeah because that's more like a well-rounded view of who i am
1: but it extends beyond the podcast too though doesn't it? of course it? Yeah.
0: yeah like i will i will have serious conversations or in-depth conversations with people but i'll also be the one to like break it up with a joke or something like that mm. uh, and it's not even like jokey jokey it's just i don't know who i am is not that
1: do you use humor as a mask yes i think we all do
0: yeah i think so yeah i think so and i think for me it's also um like a protective measure too mm. like i'll often keep things light in social conversations because it's safer mm. i think mm. you know because when i do talk deep i like there's no middle ground for me it's either light or not not dark but deep
1: yeah deep yeah
0: like i'll often have i'll be the person at at a party or a barbecue that will have that conversation with people not very often but when I do it's like a like a big conversation it's time to go yeah or like (laughs) more than once I've been having conversations with people and we're in tears you know but 95% of the time I'm not like that that's a nice balance I'm sure it is I just I don't you worry that
1: people think that you're on that deep level all All the time time, yeah Yeah. and
0: it's exhausting Mm. you know if I was to live that kind of earnest depth all the time i feel like i would be exhausted Mm. and i spend too much not too much time in my head i spend a lot of time in my head anyway like really thinking deeply on things and i think that maybe going light and going Mm. funny and going silly is the counterbalance to that and it works like i feel Mm. quite balanced in that regard but i just don't know that other people see that and then of course the question is why does it matter and the answer is it doesn't really. But mm. but I do think
1: that people in our audience, they know you because it's like you have those deep conversations with experts, meditation experts. Mm. You know, when you're talking about all those topics, that's the deep thinking brook. Mm. But then whenever we do our host for are we're, we're sort of
0: Not. light and funny yeah.
1: uh, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I think it does come out. Good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Ben, second thing that yes. people may not know about you mm-hmm. it has to do with this job that we're doing right this very second. Mm. How much time do you spend preparing for podcasts? None. Zero. Zilch.
1: <laughs> I don't prepare for podcasts. And I think it shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I do my best work off the cuff. You do. I have... You know what every t- topic or or discussion that we have I have preconceived ideas that I've formulated over time. Mm. So it's not as if I'm not re- preparing for it. No, it's not like I'm saying what are your thoughts on of 10? Exactly. Yeah. And I would have no idea, but you know, they're in the back of my head and I always feel like the best way is speaking off the cuff from the heart, never preparing over, overly preparing because I've tried I have tried that through different things that I've I've done and it just doesn't work as, yeah. as well. I think you become, if you prepare 100%, you obsess over the 1% you miss out yeah. and you will inevitably miss out on points.
0: I agree with that. Yeah, It's taken me a long time to realise that if I, and I do prepare more than you obviously, but mm. even when I'm speaking, like I've got a public speaking gig or something, mm. I used to freak out that I didn't get to say everything that was on my in my speech. Yes, exactly. Whereas if once I relax a little bit and recognize that I'm not going to be able to say everything that I want to say about a particular topic in the given time Mm. and just do the best with the time and what time that I have and the thoughts that I do present, Mm. then you it becomes much easier and you become much more honest and real and like human. And I think
1: that you're, you've grown a lot as an interviewer as well. I mean, as an interviewer, you have to prepare. You have to know your guests you need to know their background but but the, the the hardest thing to start an interview is the first question yeah after you after that first question you can take the interview wherever you want it's that 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 is the hardest one and that's the the first question is always the, the one that I think you need to prepare the most for.
0: Yes. So what we're saying is I do the preparation and you come in and oh, absolutely. talk about yeah,
1: it. Oh, you absolutely. Do, yeah, you do far more preparation than I do. That wasn't
0: me having a go at you, by the way.
1: Yeah. I, I think I'm privileged to be able to get away
0: with it. <laughs> <laughs> but in saying that, I do probably less prep than... That's what I was trying to make. Yeah, the point. some people might assume. Yeah. Yeah, because same for the exact same reason. I think that if I had a list of questions that I just wanted to get through mm. with guests, then I wouldn't necessarily be listening closely to what they have to say. Yes. And they might drop a, an absolute gem in my lap.
1: A knowledge nug. And,
0: and I won't pick up on it because I'm already thinking about the next question. Yeah. So for me, that's probably one of the things that I've had to learn to do as an interviewer is to split my brain into kind of two or three parts. One part is really actively listening. Like another part is thinking about where I want to direct conversation. And the third part is kind of thinking about the overall conversation and making sure that we're talking about things that people actually want to hear about and that I'm doing a good job in, in keeping it like on track ish without worrying about the track too much. So
1: anyway, but enough about you. This was my yeah, one. Um, and uh, I think I finished. Thank Great. you. So here's one that follows up on my first one. It's about personalities. And you, listener, might not know that my wife has a very addictive personality.
0: Hmm, I do, in some respects. What I, do you mean? Well, there are things that I just don't do because I know that i will get hooked on them and like i've done i know that through experience drugs yes hard drugs (laughs) uh like games and things like um Mm.
1: mobile games games on on my phone
0: Mm. yeah i i couldn't tell you the number of hours that i wasted years ago playing stupid games like i had this farming game on my phone I had this farming game on my phone that I was absolutely addicted to. I think it was called Farmville. And hours, hours got wasted every day. Yeah, you weren't on the only one. No, no, I, I know. You and I used yeah. to, this was obviously before our screen feed bedroom, but we would like play Farmville in our bedroom at night. It's gross. It's so gross. And I was addicted to it. And it took like a breath.
1: What are you doing, Brooke? I'm plowing my field. <laughs>
0: and we would like i would have to plant my crops before i went to bed so they'd be ready in the morning like this is embarrassing uh but i
1: i'm so glad we're doing this episode (laughs)
0: It took a great act of bravery for mm. me to delete that game off my phone because I genuinely enjoyed it until I stopped enjoying it, and then it just became this thing that I was addicted to. Mobile and mobile games are like that; they're they're, designed they're they for are that. so designed for Absolutely. you just to
1: always be reaching for your mobile. What's another example?
0: My Little Pony game. Okay,
1: rather than I don't want. Let's get off the topic of games. <laughs> <laughs> what else?
0: Uh, I used to be like it with sugary things, like. Mm. I, one was too many, but twenty wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. of a chocolate or anything. Yeah. Uh, since I went sugar free last year, I'm much, much more measured. Like I could have a, an Easter egg and mm. not fall into a pit of like chocolate craziness now. Mm. So I think for me, it's having a clean break from something and recalibrating my relationship with things helps me to to deal with that addictiveness. Mm-hmm. I find myself obsessing about things, like not in a bad way necessarily, but if I'm into something, I will talk about it to anyone all the time. Like at the moment, I'm really into Stephen King books. Yeah. Like that's all I'm reading, which I'm loving, but I will find myself talking about it in most conversations. Mm. And so yeah. I, I really get into things.
1: You do. You have that obsessiveness about something. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then sometimes it passes and sometimes it just becomes part of who I yeah. am and it yeah, becomes less like acute. Yeah, so I do know that. But then people will say to me things like, well, why don't you harness that addictive personality or that, like, that, I don't know, the need for validation or whatever, and you harness it for good, like using it to build positive habits, you know, use like a, an app, like Kelly and Carly talk about this Streaks app, which helps, it gives you a gold star every day that you do yeah. a new habit in a row.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But my problem with those kind of things is that, the rebel in me is like, you're not going to tell me what to do. You don't get to. So it's sort of this self-sabotaging rebellious streak that means that I can't necessarily harness that addictive side of my personality for anything other than playing My Little Pony.
1: What's that app where it's the time management app where you you use it when you write?
0: I really like that one. It's the called tree. Forest. Yeah,
1: the Forest yeah. one. And and you got to, by writing, you grow your tree. That's right. I can just imagine you, like, Looking at your phone, you're going, oh, you're going to kill your tree. And you're like, that's right. Die, tree. Die.
0: I did that the other day. Yeah, You can't tell me what to do. You're not a real tree. (laughs) Yeah. It's so (laughs) funny. But 95% of the time, it works really well for me, that that particular app. But it's not like a... I don't know. In that instance, I quite like it. Maybe it's because of the growing thing, which goes back to Farmville. That's why I liked
1: it. All all comes back to Farmville. All comes back
0: to Farmville. So, Benny, you have... Mm. A secret talent. Yes, you do. Do I? Yes. What is your secret talent?
1: It was my secret talent. I don't know whether I still have it. That's the thing, but I am a singer You are. I'm a singer in a band and I was a singer in a choir You were I was a boy soprano for the young Sydney singers and we were sick A sick boys' choir. Fully sick. Fully sick. Yeah, and I got... I I always had a a really nice voice. And I remember getting teased so much for joining that choir. And I didn't really want to join... I I thought I was a cool guy at school.
0: You were a cool guy.
1: And then... Your mum said so. And then I just got... (laughs) And then... Yeah, I just got teased heaps once I joined that choir. But everyone, I think, in the end came round for two reasons. One... I sang with Johnny Farnham. Mm-hmm. You're the voice, mm-hmm. and I also cut a CD <laughs> and a tape. I think it was tape. as well.
0: <laughs> was it a single?
1: Kas- no, it was a full double, double um, cassette wow. recording for uh, Christmas carols with none other than Kamal.
0: You're really famous.
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think so. So Kamal I don't is know. is yeah. Sorry, Kamal is Sri Lankan Australian that had a deep, very deep baritone voice. voice. Did
0: he do anything other than Christmas songs?
1: I don't know. I oh, just no, always, I always remember him at Candle, candles, in the in Car- the domain, carols in the domain, <laughs> carols in the domain. <laughs> <laughs> How you going? Uh, You're quite
0: uncomfortable telling this story. So, anyway,
1: that, that, so if you can track down Christmas Carols with Kamal, you'll be able to hear me on it. I don't even have a copy anymore. No. I think mum does. Right. Somewhere. Uh, And yeah, that then turned to uh, bands, punk bands. So, you're in a punk band with your brother? Yeah. Yeah. And we were called heaps.
0: What did you sing? Covers or originals?
1: No, 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 just covers. We were never, we never. What was your
0: best song?
1: Green Day, "When I Come Around." Okay. Yeah, we totally rocked. We came second. We came second in a band contest at at school. Okay. At um, but anyway, that's that's you know what a talent, and I've really used that talent.
0: You still you sing around the house now?
1: Yeah. I know it's one of my biggest regrets. Actually, not keep like not to keep that going mm. in, in some way. You're ways. very good at
0: guitar, though.
1: No, not really. Well, I'm a bit of a pl- plotter on guitar. I do enjoy it, but yeah, it's something that I really regret is not because it was a talent and I just wasn't and I just didn't keep at it. I don't like having regrets, but that's probably one of them. Mm. Mm. All right, moving on to Brooke's next biggest secret that she's kept from us.
0: Dun, 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 dun.
1: You are very forgetful. I am. So much so that you often forget what you've spoken about on a podcast. That's correct. So when you go to write your show notes, you'd be like, what did I actually say about X, Y, and Z? Yep.
0: It's not that I forget um, the overall conversations, but if there's an example or something like that. I mean, I think the thing is... For me, a podcast conversation is just one of many conversations that I have during the day. And while I am absolutely dialed in to it, like I said before, I do feel quite – I find them very tiring. Like I'll get off a podcast interview and be quite weary because I have been concentrating so hard on – you know, asking really good questions and listening really intently and, you know, doing my best to move the conversation forward. forward. Mm. So I do find them quite tiring. Like I get out of the um, the office where I record Skype interviews and I'm all like sweaty and like a bit shaky. So I think that my brain deals with that by sort of putting it behind me, the mm. conversation. So I try to, you know, jot down a couple of notes as I'm recording to make sure that I I, you know, keep the the really important points in the show notes and stuff like that. Um, but if I don't do that, I really – I honestly do have trouble. Mm. And Rope. as soon as I listen to the beginning of the conversation, I'm fine. Like, I'll remember the whole thing. Or if someone will mention it to me, oh, when well, you know, when you were speaking with Bronnie, you spoke about this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. Mm. But then there are times, particularly in older interviews, where people will kind of quote or mention an idea or something that we've spoken about. And I honestly just – I feel terrible, but I can't remember in the detail that, that others – can and I feel bad about it so I've started to keep much more detailed notes after we've recorded so that I can go back and search mm. for you know perhaps episodes where we've already answered that question, question or yeah. something like that and I can I can provide people with that but I, my memory I think just in general has gotten much worse probably since I had the kids
1: yeah which I think is I think is it's fairly normal yeah it's fairly normal uh, and and to be honest with you that what you just said then is fairly normal as well the the thing that i love about you is that you will you will forget a family member's birthday i'm so but, bad with birthdays. but you will remember a song from that was played at someone's wedding and you know like it's those yep. do you know what I mean? like yep. it's those things that you you remember i'm just like how how do you remember, I remember that the lyrics and not songs. your your nephew's birthday
0: oh, i'm so bad with birthdays I, it's terrible it's really bad um, but lyrics to songs from high school still got it. Yeah, you do. Locked away in the vault. Yeah.
1: It's bizarre. I, will,
0: I know all of the words to semi charm kind of life. Yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <I'm singing. laughs> so, Benny, hmm. number four for you is somewhat work related. It's about Jackrabbit.
1: Yeah. So, I guess the big secret with Jackrabbit is that it doesn't actually it's not what, how we earn our money. No. No. So it's definitely not an income stream for us. Um, And podcasting isn't in general. We don't have a lot of sponsors on our podcasts and that's because most brands we wouldn't work with. We are very strict in who we work with. So I guess the The whole and then the whole model of like a podcast network is is challenging as as well and has been challenging, but it's definitely a lost leader in terms of how we earn our income. I mean, yeah I do a lot of freelance work still, and you're an author, you write books. I do for write a living.
0: Books. Yeah, I, well, yeah, kind of living.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so I, I there's a bit of misconception I think out out there that you just because we're a podcast network network where we we're earning all this money from, from that network.
0: Yeah, because yeah. people often ask us, you know, how did you build your business? How did you create a business that's how in alignment with your, your why. why? Yeah, We're still very much in the process mm. of that. And I think that it's important to be honest about it, you know, in a, in a kind of responsible sort of way because it's not perhaps what some people assume it is mm. and it doesn't look like perhaps some people assume it looks like. It's, um, it's still very much evolving and there's still like a large percentage of our income comes from freelance work rather mm. than mm. from podcasting. As much as we love podcasting and we spend an inordinate amount of time on it in comparison to what we earn from it. Yeah. But I think, it, I don't know, I mean, why do you think it's important that we tell people this?
1: You know, I think it's important that people know us and, mm. and can relate to us as well.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. But
1: we are building a business and we realise that for businesses to be successful, you need to put in those type, you need to give a lot and receive very little in return in terms of a monetary sense. Yeah. And so I guess following on from that one is your next one and that's about the delicate balance between sharing and giving through podcasting versus remaining pretty private in your private life because we do share some pretty you know in-depth stuff about our lives but there are still things that we won't go well
0: there's a lot of things yeah okay i I think uh you know i love i do love sharing things openly and honestly both uh you know in writing and in events and on podcasts and there's most things i'm happy to talk openly about like i've shared really openly about my personal depression and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And for me, that was really important too, uh, because I had decided from the beginning that I wanted to share that. And don't get me wrong. There were raw moments that I haven't shared and I'm not going to, because I don't feel like I need to, but it's, it's really straddling that, that kind of line between being honest, truly honest and truly open and vulnerable and not like in the, you know, hashtag authenticity kind of way, but in a real way, Mm -hmm. And also preserving certain things just for, you know, for, for us or for people who know me in the real world. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, similarly, I think people who make stuff online are often uh, not pressured but expected maybe or the, the understanding is that they will share lots of private moments on public social media like Instagram. Yeah. And I just don't mm. and I won't. And the vast majority of things that I share on Instagram – and this may be to my detriment that I admit it, but I, they are not, like, live, I will take photos on my phone and share them later, days later sometimes. And, and that's
1: uh, – just recently we've seen the benefit of that because the Daily Mail article recently that mm. had you profiled in it.
0: Yeah, which I didn't know about. They just took yeah. another another publication's interview and um, – cut it up into something that sounded which, like it was an interview. Yeah, which they good do. Job, good job, Daily Mail. I know, they do. Keep that, that awesome but
1: journalist But if Google going. Daily Mail, Brooklyn no, calories, but, <laughs> but it just goes to show, like, the Instagram, like how careful you are with Instagram yes. posts. Like there's one image of the kids, but they're with us. Yep. You know, you're very, very – you're always conscious of what you put up I on your social. I decided from
0: way back that our kids would not be a large part of our social media um, profile mm. on purpose, very much mm. on purpose. I believe that for our kids, and this is not a judgment on people who do it differently because everyone figures this stuff out for themselves. Yeah. But for us, I wanted our kids to be able to own their own digital footprint, uh, you know, and, and they get to choose what that looks like when they're old enough mm. to understand understand the the importance of that and whether or not they want to be part of social media is totally up to them. So for me, that was something that was really... I think it became apparent probably three or four years ago. I saw a few people who I knew like peripherally go through some difficult things with, Mm -hmm. with that sort of stuff. So it was something that I was very intentional about and I'm glad of it, to be honest. You know, I, yeah, I am really glad of it, but it's not only the kids, the kids are only one part of it. And the other part is what we choose to share and, and why and how. And for me, the, the kind of blanket rule has always been this idea that Brene Brown talks about mm-hmm. because she, she gets the same, I mean, obviously much larger numbers, numbers but the same yeah. kind of question of, you know, how do you share really vulnerable things? How do you know, like, how is it okay that you share these things? And she said, I've, if you're hearing me talk about it in some kind of public forum, I've already processed it. Mm. I've already moved beyond it. She said, I'm, I'm not sharing things that I haven't yet fully processed. Mm. And that's pretty much the way I like to, To do it as well, because I think it's really important to understand what I'm saying and why I'm saying it and the the broader picture of it uh, before I I put it out there. Because, I I mean, I think we, we deserve to be able to process these things privately. Yeah. And I think for me, it's just it was a habit that I built from the almost the very beginning That I don't, I just don't want to put things out there that are kind of half formed. And you know what? It's okay. I change my mind. I change my viewpoint on things and that's fine too. Mm. But I don't want to put something out there that's kind of half thought through in a way that might turn out to be damaging or, you know, upsetting or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Damaging is really the word I was looking for. Yeah. And to round out the five things you may not know about Ben, you have a very dirty little secret.
1: A dirty, dark secret. You do. I like to play video games, which <gasps> sort of follows on from your mobile game addiction. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but mine's not an addiction. It's more just the fact that's that I, I'm relax. a nerd and yeah. that's how I, yeah, relax. Yeah, you almost. do. Uh, yeah, so video games, big fan of it, always have been. Mm-hmm. But it's been a challenge because I like to yeah, play video games, which means buying video games mm. So I've pared back a lot, basically because it takes a lot of time to play a video yeah, you've game. You've
0: pared back heaps. You used to play mm. a lot. It never, it was never a problem. No. Like you weren't that person who would play games like during the day or like ignore your family because of it. And if you did ever play games during the day, it would be like while the kids were off doing something else mm. or whatever. Uh, but you don't do any of that anymore. And you used to play at night, like every night, particularly when you were working in the city. Oh, that yeah. was your unwind time. Yeah. Which... Like it was fine. And I was never going to say that there was anything wrong with it, but it kept your brain wired all night because you would sit up, you wouldn't play until I went to bed at like eight thirty nine o'clock. And then you'd sit up and play for two or three hours. And it was just this cycle. Mm.
1: Mm. It's the only part of the, the, that Ben, that is still part of my life to a certain extent Yeah, but you don't play every day or anything like it's pretty rare I might play once a week yeah if that yeah but basically yeah I I love it I love sports games I love I love the fantasy of of video games and getting lost in that world importantly though it's not you know I don't get frustrated and yeah, you used on to get really rare frustrated. occasions. May I get? Fr- yeah,
0: but you used to and like I, I used to lay in bed reading and hear you like yelling at the TV.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I, yeah. it, it, but for for whatever reason, it's not an obsessive part of my life anymore, which I'm very, yeah, pleased about.
0: Do you think that you're in a better headspace, and that's why?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah it was I, like think a I think it's all the other changes I've made in my life because really video games, the priority is pretty far down the list. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's just, also... it's just not that big a part of my life anymore. And I'm older now.
0: Yeah, but I also think you're probably more relaxed and you're doing other things for your mental well-being that are having a really big impact on it. Like, first of all, you're sleeping more and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That maybe you don't need it as a crutch that's anymore. It.
1: That, I think that's exactly right. And
0: when you do it, you actually just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly right. That's interesting. Right. You're also not playing as much of the shooting, like shoot 'em up kind of games as you used to.
1: No, not a, not a, not a fan of those. And I think when you you get older, your uh, your response time is is not as what it used to be. Do you do know you what find, I mean? Like yeah. that twitch type. type sort of... Do you find
0: of- it more disturbing now though the violence? Not so much. I
1: don't. I don't get into all that sort of stuff because I've never been a a big fan of it. No. So I don't know enough. Yeah. Look, and and I think it's a big problem in our society that that um, a lot of kids, a lot of young kids, are playing heaps on inter- on the internet, and and those like online um, interactions too. Mm-hmm. I think. are – pretty unhealthy okay because there's a lot of trash talking and a lot of swearing and it's pretty gross right what what i've i've experienced i just like uh sports games mostly on yeah because i just pretend i'm a sports star because i never would be
0: (laughs) you're a pretty sick snowboarder So that's
1: Jesus, you know. Feels so good getting that off my chest. No, but
0: I think you know I, the reason that that's one of the things that people may not know about us is because I think you don't. First of all, I've never be,
1: spoken about no, it. No, you've
0: never spoken no. about it. But I think maybe it doesn't seem like it's a part of like a quote unquote slow living sort of yeah, lifestyle, exactly. and you don't want to. We don't. We didn't. Not that we were hiding anything at all, but it just never came up because it's not part of that. But I think the reality is that not a, like it's not all. It's not all slow living and I mm. think if you and I didn't have this podcast, even if we were living the same kind of life, like the slower, simpler life, we wouldn't talk about it. So, you know, it would just be part of life. And it wouldn't
1: be still part of my life if it didn't fit in, I think is is the big thing. So people might ask, oh, what do you do with all the, the games, like the clutter of having games and things like that? Well, the fact is I trade games in when yeah. I finish playing with them. I might have like three or four games that I'm like actual physical hard copies the other thing is a lot of the games now it can be you can buy them like download, download. it's a download it's a digital copy yeah like music and that's w- w- sort of what i've been yeah, doing so there's as no, well there's no, clutter, so there's no clutter it's you know it's the impact is pretty minimal so Brooks, last thing you might not know about her has got to do with your past work experience so the things you did four, five, five, six years ago mm-hmm. that have heavily influenced your lifestyle at the moment. Like your like your jewelry business. Yep. And like like remember your floristry when you were starting to be studying to become a florist? Yes, I remember that. Like those two things, opposite ends to where you are at the moment. Yes. Did you like completely rebel against those things?
0: Not no not intent not purposefully. Like I don't think I that's what I I didn't know that that's what I was doing. Yeah. But, but it has worked out It like is that. that is what I ended up doing, yes. Yeah. So tell me a bit about the jewellery business. So I used to make my own jewellery and it was uh, resin jewellery. It was all handmade. And it started out just as a hobby. Mm. Like I always had little crafty hobbies back in the day before we got married and had kids. And that just started out as an experiment that I, I guess people liked what I was doing. And then I developed different kind of processes and ended up anyway, it ended up being like a resin um, jewelry with like a perspex and recycled or vintage fabrics or paper or something like that. That's right. Uh, And it was really, it was really pretty and I was like relatively successful at it. Didn't make much money off it. But you used
1: to go to a lot of markets. I used to
0: sell at markets constantly. Like when markets first became, when Etsy first started kind of breaking through, I had like an Etsy store Uh, But then that led to market stalls, which led to wholesale Wholesale stuff. uh, Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I had a website for a while, and that was in kind of the early days of people shopping online. Like they wouldn't usually shop just with a private label. Um, Yeah. So there was uh, just a lot of stuff involved. It was very... A lot of stuff, a lot of packaging. Yeah. And I tried, you know what? I tried really hard for that packaging to be environmentally sustainable. Like it was Mm. all made of recycled cardboard. I tried to use um, recycled or like offcuts of perspex and offcuts of paper and stuff like that. But the reality was that it was still a a lot lot of chemicals chemicals involved in resin there was shipping and, and you know, I tried to get like fair trade silver and stuff like that, but it was very hard to go back through the um, supply chain of that.
1: Mm. So I,
0: I had in my mind an idea that I wanted things to be better, mm. like I wanted it to stand for something, but I knew somewhere around the time that I ended up closing it down, which I closed it down because I was completely overwhelmed and to be honest, my heart just wasn't in it. No, like I- because it reached
1: this point where – um, you had, we had a, an advisor and they were saying, you need to take operations offshore, offshore. if you want to make money. Yeah. And-
0: so we'd booked tickets to Thailand for me to go and um, yeah, meet source. all of these, like apparently fair trade certified mm. workshops and mm. all that kind of stuff. Like, So we'd booked that and it was a matter of we're going to either have to put in quite a bit of money in order to take this to the next level or call it quits. Mm. Like That was really the decision that we had to come to and obviously – we decided to, um, to call it quits and I've never regretted it no. once. But I think part of the reason my heart wasn't in it is because it was just buying into this idea of, of constant um, renewal of stuff. Mm. So, you know, I had to, I didn't have to, but I didn't know enough at the time to know that I could have done it another way. Uh, I was creating seasons and, you know, false scarcity in, in yeah. the patterns that I was offering, all this kind of stuff. And it was basically just, like, I'd be stoked if someone would buy five of my necklaces when they only needed one and all that kind of stuff. And it was really, I don't know, there was just something I couldn't even articulate it at the time, yeah. but it wasn't where I wanted to be. It wasn't mm. what I wanted my life to be about. Like, just this constant selling and making and selling mm. and making. And... I've never really put them two to two, two together. No, and you, you know what? Like... I didn't really either. Like, no. it wasn't... A, Me going to, like, simple living wasn't a rebellion against the jewellery necessarily. But the jewellery moment in life was kind of peak stuff for us. Yeah. That's when I was so overwhelmed and so busy and so anxious that I never had time to think about anything else. That everything else in life got really overwhelming and full and, like, we had a house full of crap. Because I didn't have time to consider it. And I would just buy things because I thought I needed it. And it was convenience was a big, big, big factor. In my life then, mm. in terms of everything. Mm. Like, I don't worry about trying to source it secondhand. Just, just buy it. Just easy. Just buy it. Yeah. Buy the takeaway. Buy the this, buy the that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was... So, it wasn't a direct response, but it certainly was looking back on it.
1: Remember when you were studying floristry?
0: I do remember that. What I really you became a florist? Well, this is another thing that I... I really enjoyed working with my hands. I enjoyed mm. the creativity uh, but there was a lot of waste mm-hmm. in floristry, like a huge Cut flowers, that in the, in the kind of floristry that I was studying. Yeah. There was a lot of plastic. There was yeah. a lot of wrapping. There was a lot of like that weird floristry foam stuff. Yeah. Um, there was huge amounts of waste in terms of like the cut flower industry too. You know, the vast majority of foliage that you'd get was chucked in the bin. And it was – I really enjoyed the – creative the creative side of it and there Mm. are certain types of floristry that are probably more sustainable than what i was studying mine was like really traditional yeah and i guess there was an underlying uneasiness there for me in in terms of the waste both plastic and plant but also like the chemical use in in the cut flower industry like the more traditional commercial cut Mm. flower industry uh and the fact that it's so many of the flowers that we have here are shipped in from overseas and who knows what the, the, uh, the, you know, the life of the farmers and the growers and the cutters is, is like for those people who are living in, you know, in those countries and cutting those flowers. Like there was a real sense of imbalance and inequity in the industry that I couldn't really articulate. Like I didn't know enough to, to know that I wanted to explore that further. But yeah, I think, Looking back, there was certainly that element of big time sustainability and and, and fairness and equality. That
1: it's amazing that how it's all come together now that it's both those things have heavily influenced where you are Mm. now. This has been good,
0: I think so. Okay, quick few questions. Oh,
1: yeah, (laughs) haven't prepared.
0: Good, you're on brand then. Uh, what? Is the best movie you've seen recently?
1: Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2.
0: So good. What is the best TV show that you're watching at the moment?
1: Master of None.
0: I love it. I love Master of None. Uh what is the best podcast episode that you have listened to recently?
1: Uh Comedy Bang Bang 8th eight year, year anniversary mm-hmm. episode with everyone on. It. With
0: everyone. <laughs> it goes for like 3 hours.
1: What about you? Favorite movie? favorite recent movie
0: you know i watched the mist recently we watched the mist recently my goodness i don't know if i'd call it my favorite but just it left a mark (laughs) a significant mark
1: what book are you reading at the moment
0: dark tower book seven (laughs) why is that funny
1: i don't know does every single response is related to stephen king
0: Uh, uh, no
1: Favourite podcast episode.
0: Oh, so I listened to this.
1: Ep- Stephen King's. Uh-
0: <laughs> I do listen to a Stephen King podcast, but mm. that's not it. Uh, it is Unqualified. Anna Faris has a podcast called Unqualified. It's hilarious and rude and don't listen to it with your kids. But she had an interview with Terry Crews recently. Man, it was incredible. So he's a actor. He was an NFL player, but he spoke about this idea like the cult of masculinity mm, mm. and it was really I, I haven't stopped thinking about it and I listened to it a few weeks ago you know those uh, I don't know just listen to it yeah. I think I think most people would benefit from listening to it uh, and I talk about it to everyone at the moment everyone, like I managed to weasel it into every conversation that I have because you're a weasel just, I am anyway it's worth listening to
1: thank you very much thank you very that much. was so much fun Hopefully it's fun to listen to. And we'll see you next week.
0: Have a good week. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Pug Pass.